Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Material Issues. This is episode number 50, believe it or not, 50 episodes of Material Issues. I'm Mark Hirschberger of Pop Detective Records, and joining me as usual, my good friend from the West Coast, president of International Pop Overthrow Festival, Mr. David Bash. How are you doing tonight, David? How you doing, Mark? Um, I'm I'm doing fine. I'm uh, I'm really really happy because we had an amazing IPO Chicago. Um, just some incredible bands and the vibe of Montreux Saloon, the venue we used for the first time, was so good. It was um, just a, an amazingly well run uh, establishment with good people, and everyone loved it. It was uh, it was yeah it was a huge success. I saw a lot of the bands on YouTube, uh, the videos and things that you post and uh, everything, everything looked like a lot of fun and and really good stuff. And of course, Barry Barry checked in only two weeks until IPO Liverpool, England. Even less. Yeah. Even less. Yeah. Uh, About a week and a half. And uh, we can't wait. Uh, I've been, I've been having a bit of a cold. So if I have to blow my nose uh, during, uh, please excuse it. I, I'm I'm not uh, I'm not I'm not too proud to admit I have some uh, tissue paper stuck up one of my nostrils because I've just been I you know when I have colds my nose re- really runs and I and there doesn't seem to be much I can do about it even if I take Dayquil uh, sometimes it just that's all right when I when I was young I, they thought I had a hearing problem because they tested my hearing and I always messed up in my left ear until a doctor went deep inside and I had evidently taken you know the little plastic or the wax comic strips from Bazooka Joe Bubblegum. Right. I had evidently folded it up real small and stuffed it far into my ear canal. Yikes. In order to save the comic, because I thought it was a good comic. And it sat there for a very long time. And that was my hearing problem for (laughs) (laughs) for a long time. Yeah. So it's all good. You can you can stuff things to it. It was quite a real it was a real testy for you. (laughs) I love it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so that was great. And of course, as Barry uh, mentioned, I feel Liverpool coming up and uh, I can't tell you how much both Rena and I are looking forward to it. We haven't been there since 2019, yep. which, of course, was the case with every IPO. And so, you know, I've been I've been looking forward to all of the ones that we've done since the pandemic. Right. But yeah. Liverpool, I mean, you know, it's the most special. It really is. It's um it's the it's the one IPO which uh, preserved the ethos that we always had, which was to get bands from all around the world playing under one umbrella. And uh, <laughs> thank you, John Borak. <laughs> or, or should I say, who was that that said that in in uh, in Ball Four? Um, I think it was Fritz Peterson. Thank you, Brian. Uh, thank you, Brian. Um, at any rate. Um, so yeah, so we're really looking forward to it. We're going to have about 107 or so great acts from all around the world. Wow. wow. This time only on the backstage. The front stage is now, uh, all Beatles we, all the time. Yeah, yeah. We're all Beatles cover stuff all the time, yeah. but we've got the back, which is a great, great stage. Um, it's got a lot more room. It's a lot more comfortable than sitting in the front. So, yeah. so it's all good. Um, and I think a sneeze is coming on. That's okay. As as I told you earlier, the memories of the backstage at the cavern, uh, 
hold a couple of things for me. That's where I uh, figured out I had food poisoning and ran across the, and, and ran right into the wall, knocked myself out and woke up and people saying, are you all right? <laughs> and I obviously wasn't, but that's one of my memories of the backstage Hopefully area. not the only time. memory. No, nah, not the only memory. Everything else was, was great. You know, a lot of my bands played, uh, played over there and uh, it, it's good stuff. Good stuff. Well, speaking of good stuff, we certainly yeah. have good stuff in the in the form of our guests today. Um, it's our first celebrity rock and roll couple on uh, on material issues, and uh, <laughs> I think I mean I would like to maybe make that a theme for a little while, getting a few other rock and roll couples on. But um, yeah, so I've known uh, the gentleman of this couple the uh, uh, longer than the uh, lady, but um, he. Uh, He's one of the main men of what I would call a legendary power pop a band called Wanderlust. They were signed to RCA and released an album in the mid-90s. Since then, they've released several other albums, including one just last year, first one in quite a while, and it was great, as were pretty much all their... Oh, there you go, yeah. A lot of great bands in, uh, in Liverpool, as Barry mentioned. But anyway, yeah, um, Wanderlust has released a lot of wonderful records, and he, as a solo act, has also released several wonderful records. Uh, he's also a member, or has been a member, of Brian Wilson's band, um, which is, of course, as much of an honor as you could possibly get in these here pop music uh, 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 times and place. So that's great. Um, and his wonderful wife, of course, one of the main um, members of Wilson Phillips, who had huge, huge hits um, back in the day and um, were, were just very impressive. And uh, then she and her sister, Wendy, put out a, a, a record by themselves, which is actually my favorite thing of, uh, of what they've done. Um, she's also been on TV many, many times. She's had a talk show. She hosted a, a, a reboot of the Newlywed Game. She's been guests on many other things. Um, and... Um, yeah, I mean, she's she's just a really engaging uh, a person, and this is going to be a lot of fun. So would you please give a huge material issues welcome to Rob Bonfilio and Carney Wilson? <laughs> there they are. Hey, guys. Hi. Our first Sun, celebrity rock and roll couple. Sonny and Cher of the new millennium. Right, right. <laughs> I got you, man. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh wow nice to see both of you thank you for joining us here in material issues um yeah all the way from uh, the west coast uh, i'm over here and just outside of philadelphia and of course um back in the day as david was saying wanderlust fan huge wanderlust uh, fan yeah. you know rob and i were talking earlier about the, how philadelphia has changed uh, since those times but um you know it, it, it's still here today uh, well, you know, we conversed. Yeah, we. I don't. I, yeah, we crossed paths. You know, um, Ken Sharp uh, was always around, and, and that yeah. whole crew. And uh, um, but I don't know whether you really knew. Rob, me that remember well. the guy you told me about who was stalking you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh I've gotten my hair cut since then. This <laughs> was serious. I was. I totally fell for it. <laughs> no no not at all not at all yeah, i've been uh, good at fooling people lately carney on april 1st I, I announced on facebook that we're gonna we were gonna do ipo in anchorage alaska for the first time ever uh, everybody almost everybody bought it but uh, totally that's funny. yeah all the messages says can't wait can't wait 
Yeah, um, yeah I love Alaska. <laughs> well, I mean, let's. Uh, we, we've got a lot of things. Obviously, this is a couple that is just filled with uh, a lot of great musical history. Um, I'd like to start off with both of you. Um, uh, just if you could briefly give us a little bit about your childhood. Now, obviously, Carney, you've got some musical history in your childhood, but Rob, you know, uh, how were you as far as learning instruments, music? What was your household like? Did it get you into, um, you know, being yeah. who you are today? Well, you know, uh, like, you know, I, I grew up in the suburbs of Philadelphia in the 70s. I was a child of the 70s. Um, you know, the, as far as musical instruments, we never had anything in the house. Nothing. Nobody played mm. anything. Wow. To my detriment, you know, I really kind of wish that there was something. But um, I did have an older sister who would bring home 45s and whatnot. And that was kind of my musical education. So, well, almost famous come to life. It's so much. It was so much like that. Yeah, it really was. Uh, except the records were 45s and they weren't like as hip. <laughs> but back then they were hip, you know, like Ballroom Blitz. So oh, yeah. That was a big one that I remember. Um, and just all like Partridge Family and Osmonds, Jackson 5. Yeah. <laughs> and speaking real quick of Ballroom Blitz, did you see that robotic robot thing out of out of Japan or something that is redoing Ballroom Blitz? And it's a bunch of, it's, it's all a bunch of robots. I, it's the weirdest thing on the planet, but weird yeah. weird and I, you know i want to hate it i want to hate it but i yeah. can't stop playing the darn video but rob what uh, what did you start playing and when was it, is this in school or just you started i always wanted when i was young i would say you know from age six till whatever maybe 10 oh i'm talking, too talking loud. so loud my ears gonna sorry. fall off sorry mm. Um, I wanted to play violin. Sorry, I'm still talking loud. She's mad at me. Just talk normal. I think they can hear us. You're, you're like, you're like, I want to play violin. <laughs> he really wanted to. Um, so yeah, I always wanted to play violin, but never did. So I didn't really. Uh, I think by the time I was ten and eleven, I got into Kiss. Okay, and that was a big watershed moment. And at that point, I think guitar was was where I gravitated. I was. Mm -hmm. all into Ace, you know, Ace Freely was my number one rock idol at the time. And I would, you know, play with a tennis racket and mimic, you know, kiss moves and everything in, in our in our basement at the time. Um, and then it wasn't until junior high school that I really started to consider, hey, maybe I can actually get a guitar. We had like a make-believe band we put together in study hall in seventh grade. And I was chosen to be the rhythm guitar player and I gladly accepted it. So and of the five members of the band that we never actually played together, we, it was just all in our minds and, and on paper at the time. Um, I was one of two people who actually got an instrument and started to uh, to practice and study. Um, and that was 1981 or somewhere around there. Wow. And uh, it never stopped from there. You know, which is which is quite amazing because you know it, it it's not in your DNA, so to speak, unless you have right. something deep in your relatives, but. You know, for what you are able to do musically and what you were able to write now, you know, in the last however many years, it's pretty amazing to come from non-musical family, you know, um, you. and do and do what you've been able to do, which kind of segues over to Carney, because, you know, obviously you've got the DNA. Um, and so when you were young, did, did you realize that? Did you did you know that this was this was you know, music was inside of you. And, and when did that really click for you? Um, well, for me, it was, it was 
probably less. Keep it down. It's very funny. <laughs> it was probably less instrumental for me, but more like vocals, you know, mm -hmm. like singing. And um, in the car singing with my mom. And, um, but then there was always music playing in the house. Dad, huh? Sorry. John Florak <laughs> made a wise guy comment. Never mind. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, it was like, it was like, um, you know, dad was always at the piano and then there was always music playing on it. We had this really great stereo system that was very, very loud and, um, everything from Carpenters to, you know, Barbra Streisand, John Denver, it, whatever. It was just like the seventies. It was great. And then there was a lot of like partying and, and, um, artists would come over. I mean, everyone like Jackie DeShannon, Sean Cassidy, Elton, it, all, every day there was someone else coming over and for different reasons. And so, but music was always kind of the underlying thread. And then um, I just, I just loved, um, was fascinated by harmony from a very young age. And I just really like, I, I just, I just wanted to sing harmony. I, I, I was obsessed with it really. And that carried into um, junior high when I started um, getting my friends together, like around the picnic table at lunchtime and singing the Eagles and, um, Fleetwood Mac songs, but most of the Eagles and just, just experimenting with vocals and harmonies. And that, and that's really it. And, but I, I mean, Wendy and I played the piano growing up. We right. used to play just like dad. We had the same kind of style with that. What was that bass thing? He does it. Ragtime. Yeah. Like the left hand. Right. No, not ragtime. Oh, like, like boogie woogie. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, he hammers, he hammers the, the left side. Yeah. A little harder. And, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like he used to do this one thing, like every day he, well, he, well, he would play be my baby and Rhapsody in blue. Every single solitary day, but um, he did this one thing where he would he would just go to the piano and I, I don't even know what it's called or what what it's from, but it's like this thing that went and he just did over and over and over. I don't know what it was, but something he made up. He just Connie. I don't want to I don't want to dwell on on your dad too much because this is all more about you. But did you as a as a child did you? Feel the impact of being the daughter of, you know, a rock, a rock, a pop music legend. Did you understand the, the the magnitude of it all? Well, not really, but maybe like when I discovered, um, uh, not Pet Sound. It was actually Surfs Up and um, Smiley Smile. Mm -hmm. uh, when I started listening to those songs, I was like, wow, this is a really this is really cool music and wow, dad, I guess dad did really write some and, you know, arrange and produce these great songs and the Beach Boys are fantastic. And, and that's when I really started like having more of an appreciation for it. But I always knew, I mean, we, we went to school with, with lots of famous children. So it wasn't, it wasn't anything kind of, you know, out of the ordinary. I mean, I, like uh, Jackson Brown taught a, a summer school music class one time at our, at our school and we had to write a song. You know, so it was like the norm, you know. Did your dad encourage you uh, as far as vocally? Did he uh, tell you, um, you know, this is this is how harmonies work? Did did you know, did he lead you down a road, or was that kind of like your thing, and you figured it out uh, on your own? Well, Dad, um, I used to play the piano with him. He taught me um, a little bit of California Girls, Rhapsody in Blue. What are the what's the other song? Uh, California goes on. Maybe Sloop John B. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, Sloop John B. Um, and he was more like just with the piano, but mom is the one that taught us how to sing harmony. Wow. In, okay. in her in her Mercedes. 
driving on Sunset Boulevard. Uh, and I remember it was it was uh, um, Bob Seger, still the same, the background singers. Yeah, and it's my that's favorite how, song of his. So I'm glad it was that. Great song, great song. I love the piano on that song so much. But yeah, just like that. That's I just remember I have very fond memories. You know. Mm-hmm. So but, so Rob, yeah, you know, you're you're teaching yourself guitar. Yeah. And, and you figure out were your parents uh were they uh supportive in what you were doing or are they scratching their head saying oh, i hope he doesn't get down this road <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what they were thinking but I mean, they were generally supportive you know yeah. um my mom paid for the lessons and stuff that i took early on um and later on i you know i took that over but um yeah there was there was support i don't think there was i think at an early age i realized that i don't really know anything else other than this this is kind of what i like and, and know and it's this is likely to be my destination whatever that would be my right. destiny whatever you know how in however way it'll turn out but also i don't think parents that if, if someone's not musical i'm not sure if they really know the um the true like necessity and the and you know where, where that lies in your in your heart and soul mm-hmm. you know that it's something that you just are like it's like a sponge you know you yeah, I remember yeah. when I got when I when I got accepted to Berkeley College of Music, which is where I went. Um, I remember my dad saying, "Well, how are you going to make a living doing this?" It's a typical thing, and I was mm-hmm. hemmed and hawed, and like, I don't know. <laughs> it's we'll cross that bridge when we get there, you know. Yes, but yes. we love it. Yeah, yeah. Rob, no, what, it's... Was your, what was your first band? Real band. My first real band was Triton. We were. Uh, we were. Triton. <laughs> We were kind of like yeah. that is so bad funny horrible that was in, that was in high school so uh what was the logo uh, yeah yeah crazy it was oh. crazy so this was you know 1982 or three so we're talking you know early uh well and they're like jolin turner era rainbow kind of sounding thing you know what i mean like it's almost it didn't quite become metal but it was still like pop rock like one of the songs I really love, and it's funny because I just did a cruise with these guys, um, Jane by Starship. I love, oh, that. Yeah. I love that song. Yeah. That, was, that was like the stuff that when I was coming of age. Is that dun, dun, the piano, that one? Jane, Jane, Jane. Oh, my God, I love that song. <laughs> oh, God, it's so good. One of the songs that oh. I remember like, oh, this is great. So, that was kind of like the I have, I have the rare 45 of your version of Jane. It's uh Going for a thousand dollars on eBay right now. Oh my god! <laughs> Just kidding, folks. Don't bother looking. Be there. Yeah. So you know that was yeah, Triton. You know we had a little bit of a metal thing going on, but you know it was more melodic than metal. <laughs> yeah. Somebody just asked if it was spelled with a Y. Could have been. Could have been. I don't think we were clever enough to figure that out. I was thinking the same thing with that spelling. Isn't that weird? <laughs> oh my god! It was probably you that asked that. You're down there typing right now, aren't you, Cardi? Cardi, <laughs> what was your first band? Oh, mine. Well, yeah. it's weird. I, I don't. You know, honestly, it was it was Wendy and China and I, but we didn't we didn't have a name back in the day. We were like five and six years old. We used to sing on the fireplace. Oh, wow. Yeah, we used uh, hairbrushes and broomsticks for microphones, and we used to charge people like a nickel to come see the show. And we were like, you know, get down, you know, that, that was our show. You had the whole little rascals thing going on, trying people. Know, in there. It, it was so, it's funny because I remember getting in like sixth grade or seventh grade, 
we got around the piano and we were like, okay, you're going to play drums. You're going to play bass. And, and I, I played piano and we learned, um, we got the beat, but it was just like the first, like up to the first <laughs> chorus. And then we just gave up because it was too hard. But I remember that. And when we finally got like a groove, we were so excited. <laughs> it, it was nothing like Rob, Rob, Rob. Oh, at, at what point, at what point as you get older, uh, do you start singing out in front of people? Um, you know, uh, uh, is that high school time or is this post high school or, 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 or how did you get into it, Carney? Well, for me, I, I was a theater like junkie, you know, I, I just, I had to be on the stage. I, I love to act and I did a lot of uh, musicals and I remember um, I specifically, I did a musical, it was called Carnival and I played Rosalie, the, um, the magician's assistant. Right. And I got to sing out like this um, very beautiful ballad called It Was Always You. And it was really great. And I and my dad came to the performance. It was the first time he came to see me perform. It was Theater of the Round. And he um, came up to me after and he had tears all down his face. And it was the Aww. first time and I know that he ever heard um, me sing out. And so I got to like sing out with big vibrato and just kind of, you know, like real show tune, you know, type of thing. And um, I just remember like, yep, this is it. This is what I want to do. And, um, and then just, I got an agent and I started like auditioning for acting stuff. And then right in, right when high school ended, we jumped right into Wilson Phillips, like the summer when I was 18. So I went straight into a professional career at 18. So I didn't go to college. I, I went straight to, to work. Right now. And see 18 and, and how old were you when the first Wilson Phillips album hit 22? 22. Yeah. 22. Mm -hmm. in, 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 that, in that ballpark. So, you know, where did that come from? Where did the songs come from? Who's, who's putting this together? It, Cause it doesn't just, it doesn't just happen. I know. You know like, looking at your first album, you had a lot of really great songwriters that yeah. contributed the music to that album. Uh, well, just to really wrap it up quickly, we started singing in my sister's room, Harmony, go figure. We were singing to um, Hart and uh, Stevie Nicks and we were harmonizing and my mom, it was Wendy, China and I, and then my mom came downstairs and um, she just said, what are you guys doing? And she heard it through the floor, you know, through the ceiling. And she said, what are you doing? And it was a weird question the way she asked it. We said, we're singing harmony. How, how do you like it? And, you know, of course we were wasted just smoking bong load after bong load. <laughs> of course. Just, just <laughs> fucking high as a kite, you know. And then, uh, but it was so fun and it just sounded so good. It was just a really good sound. I'd never heard uh, it just it just felt really good and so we said you know we're doing we're singing harmony she goes you guys have to do something with this because this is amazing and we didn't know who to call or what to do so we called Michelle China's mom she goes I know who to, you should you should meet Richard Perry he's a great producer and he's a great friend go sing for him and see if he has any ideas so we just went to his house and we sang um four words from uh Wild Heart the song Wild Heart and he just Threw us in the studio and and he introduced us to Glenn Ballard. <clears throat> we swing, we sang some demos. We did Mama Said. It was oh. one of our demos. And I remember because I usually take the low part. I'm, I'm usually alto. And they had me on the high part, and it was the highest thing I've ever sang. And um, it was just, it was just fun. We were kind of finding our our space and where we land vocally. And China had no clue how to sing harmony. She actually still doesn't. So we just oh. she so we stuck her on the melody. So whatever. <laughs> Just <laughs> right in the middle, you know, and then Wendy's on high and I'm on low, and that's and that's the way it's so that's kind of been the the structure of it, and um, we just started writing songs with Glenn, and then everything fell into place, yeah. and 
you know, met with record companies and it was a, it was a very miraculous and um, lucky, lucky time. And we worked real hard. It was four years of writing songs, recording, and um, Charles Koppelman signed us to SBK and he was very involved with the music and very into the selection and it, annoyingly so. I mean, it was like he had to have a, a word for everything, but he did turn us on to um, the, um, what's the guy, Tim Harden, uh, mm. uh, a, reason to believe, a Reason to Believe. Yeah. Great song for us. And, yeah. and of course, you know, Steve Lukather playing the guitar and we had great musicians and it was just, it's beyond anything. It, it's more, it's more special now when I think of everything that we did. Way did you have any idea that you would achieve the success that you did? Um, well, yes, I did actually. I know that sounds not almost conceited, but it's I not. was it's, it's I, there. I had a really good feeling about it, and I'm very positive. So when I when I do something, I put my whole heart and soul into it, and I'm positive about it. I don't do something and go, "Well, I don't think it's going to happen." I go, "This is going to happen," and many things haven't happened. But it's just a message to keep going. So back in the day when we were recording, I said, we're going to sell 10 million albums. And they looked at me and they said, you're fucking crazy. And I said, oh, no, no, I'm not. And it, and we did. And it's maybe it's luck. Maybe it's chance. It's hard work. It's the music. It's everything combined. Well, as I tell my daughters all the time, you got to keep throwing darts. Just keep throwing darts. Sooner or later, you're going to hit the bullseye. And uh, yeah, and I know, I know you have you have to run a little early, Carney. But there, but following up on that, with everything that you've done, from Wilson Phillips to being on television and, and hosting shows and being on shows to uh, to your your cookie your cookie company and and everything, are at this point, do you ever sit back and say, and I don't think you do, I'm satisfied? No. <laughs> God what? no. What's next for Carney Wilson? That's what I'd like to know. I tell you this: I don't think "Satisfy" will ever be in my in my world ever because I'm. Oh, no. It's just guys. not, you know. It's just the way I roll. But, but you know, like not in in a not to go into a serious you know discussion. But that's part of my own struggles as well. It's yeah. fuel and it's fire for me, and it's and it's how I try to propel myself forward. But it's also. Um, you know, this thing inside where I just want to feel content and be be satisfied and, you know, satiated I, in some way. It's in your DNA, Connie, because that's it is. everything I've read about your dad, that's a lot of what he went through as well. I know, I know. But, you know, Rob is a great, um, Rob's a great partner because he he's a great person, but he's also, um, he's he has a lot of drive in him too, but he's hard on himself too. And like, we balance each other out, you know, like we, we, we bicker and all the time, you know, but we're married for 21 years. And, and it's like, it, I feel like he, he has this calm and the, the ability to sit still. And I have a lot of trouble with that. So yeah. I, it's like, it's good. Cause he, he, he'll just say sometimes, you know, Jesus, just like, you're he'll just he'll just call me out on shit you know and i'll realize god i really need to just chill out <laughs> you know he, he said that he reads he he i mean he plays every every day since we've been married or been together 22 years i've heard the same jazz guitar every not the, not the same song well there is one you keep playing what was that one 
Remember that we record at the end? Inception. Yeah. Inception George Shearing. <laughs> I don't play that every that's day. Like, that's like my dad's Rhapsody in Blue. He no, plays it so much. You totally do. But anyway. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Say, Carney, Carney, I also have to say, he's a very gentle lover. He really is. Oh, <laughs> I can't speak. I mean, I am his, I am his biggest. He is a gentle lover. He's a good lover. Well, if they, if they ever bring back the variety show, uh, like Sunny and Cher, I'm, I'm putting in my vote in for Carney and Rob. I think, uh, I think the two of you. Would, yeah. and, and with that in mind, I, I have to ask about celebrity wife swap because oh, I watched oh, it. God. I watched it, and uh, you know, Carney, you've been on TV. You had been on TV for many years, then, so you knew how to act like you were okay. But I was looking at Rob the whole time, and he looked like he would rather have been anywhere else in the world, but there. It was a bunch of bullshit. Let's put it this way. (laughs) This is what happened. It was a storyline created by the producers because there really wasn't much going on between me and and my my wife swapped wife. It was there was just boring. So they played me and I'm the gullible guy. No, they said they said there's two different families here. One is organized and like strict and and they're too strict and they have tons of rules. And the other one is completely liberal and disheveled and crazy and anything goes and you're going to learn from each other so they'd said to rob you stay in the studio because that's where you usually are and we'll call you when we want you to come out and after like two days i was at their house you know the gold's house and he texts me he goes honey they haven't called me out of my studio (laughs) me out of here and then they said rob never comes out of the studio he's a hands-off father yeah it was such crap. I was so, I was so, uh, oh God. I he, mean, I'm still upset about no, it. He, they, they yeah, blame no, you don't understand. He <laughs> was so depressed for a week. He, he like wouldn't come off the couch for a week. And he said, I'm not a bad father. He's a wonderful father. He is such a great father. I mean, he would read to the kids. He did everything with the kids. So that was not okay. Fun. <laughs> It was fun and funny, and we loved Tracy and Robbie and all the kids. We had a great time. We made good friends, and that was that, you know, but never again. Yeah, it's pervasive, too, because everybody I talk to that knows Rob, the first thing they say is, yeah, but he's such a terrible father. He just sits in the studio all the time. (laughs) Never. here's Here's a comment. Here's a comment that just came in. Rob is one of the coolest kindest guys i know so somebody oh, that's one of his children by the way. <laughs> thank you lola that's uh, amazing that's an amazing story uh, though yeah. it's true he's an and if i ever run into the producer who had you know he was like buttering me up and i was like i'll do whatever you want man i, I will give him a piece of my mind all right philly style philly style yeah it's a reality show yeah now yeah yeah. We used to do a lot of them. I mean, it was fun, but it was just was it wasn't portrayed right. No. Yeah. Well, you, what's up? How did you get into do, doing a talk show? You're you were a natural, I, I have to say. But thank how you. How did it happen? Um, I went on Howard Stern and um the producer from Sally Jesse Raphael, Kathy Chermel, who is an amazing human. She called up uh, Warner Brothers and said, "Give her a talk show." And I went to Chicago. Yeah, it was very quick. I went to Chicago and did like a little demo thing and a little, you know, um, pilot. And it was um, it was nationally syndicated. And we taped 155 episodes. And it was 
you know, the year that was not good to come out with a talk show. It was 22 new talk shows. So we uh, one season, but taped quite a few shows and at the Montel studios. And I had a lot of fun, moved to Connecticut and drove to the city. And, but the, but the, you know, crap content. It was like, I used to be an HS. Now I'm an, now I'm a Z and they'd walk out with big, huge breasts. <laughs> well, that's not crap. No, content. just like shit content. Just bad. <laughs> really bad. You know? And, you then, know, and then of course they were like, we want you to be yourself. And, and you know, cause you have opinions. So I'd look at the wife beater and say, what the hell's wrong with you? You, someone should just, you know, hit you in the jaw. And they would go, don't talk to that stuff. And they'd scream with the IFB in my ear. No, you're being too mean. What am I going to say? Good for you. Like, I mean, I had to, I gave him a piece of mind. It, it was fun though. It was yeah. fun. I'm glad I did it. It opened a lot of doors for me. That's and you've done a lot of things. The, we... days, the days of the Phil Donahue talk, kind of talk show were I gone. Know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was like, they didn't want it to be Jerry or Maury, but it wound up being just, oh, it's just silly. <laughs> well, what's, what's, uh, before you have to go, Carney, what, what's on your plate? What's, what's next for Carney Wilson? Well, we're touring again, thank God. I mean, it's kind of weird. Everything oh, wow. really, you know, because of COVID just slowed down. And um, and so now we're back. We're doing some shows with Al Jardine, which feels really great. And then there's some dates for Wilson Phillips, too. And, uh-huh. um, yeah, and then I'm, you know, I'm doing some little hosting gigs um, for TV. But I'm working on um, a, a show, a cooking show at my home that... I'm still trying to find a sponsor for it. We might be close, but that would be for like PBS or something. And um, that is my dream. And then, um, yeah, Love Bites, my baking company is, um, we almost lost it during COVID and we're coming oh, back nice. and so formulating new stuff and it's going to be great. So I'm I'm just, I'm kind of grateful where we're at right now. It's not too busy, but there's big stuff on the horizon. I'm I'm happy there's food stuff in the future. I love the love bites uh, concept and everything. My daughter as well. She's a big fan, and uh, so I'm I'm happy that yeah. And and a cooking show might be might be down the road too. Fantastic. And nobody will forget. No one will forget Wilson Phillips if they watch the movie Bridesmaids. And I know I am a total chick flick guy. So <laughs> I, I love yeah, that movie. That's funny. Oh my god, it's one of the funniest movies ever. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's hysterical i know and i love melissa mccarthy there's a really cute thing um we, we did like a reunion on um instagram so if you go to my instagram carney 68 at the like you have to scroll down or you even melissa mccarthy has it on hers we did this really funny little reunion thing for bridesmaids and we're all on zoom and it's it's very funny i do this funny ad lib thing at the end with melissa it was all my idea and she said yes that i could do it and it was funny uh. It was funny. She's something got, else. Uh, oh my god, she's the best. I got to act with with Melissa McCarthy for she two years. Awesome. You gotta get in the movies, young lady. I know. Oh, and, <laughs> and voiceovers. I mean, you know, I've I've been doing voiceovers for so long that we just came from an audition outside. That's like the given in my world of voiceovers. Uh, yeah. you're so multi-talented though, Carney. Uh your, oh, your, your voice you. and uh and just your like i said your drive and you know when i said are you ever satisfied i, I knew your answer would be no but uh yeah i i see where you're coming from and, and that's just that's just wonderful you're living you're living your best life and enjoying the moment which is great yeah. everybody yeah. needs to know though carney how did you and rob meet oh we met <laughs> well first of all my my most important job and greatest joy are two daughters lola and lucy of course that's number one, and it always will be. Um, but uh, Rob and I met at a show called Vet Rock 
in Valley Forge, Pennsylvania. And it was for um, a concert with Al Jardine. It was, it was the first iteration of the, uh, the family and friends, Al Jardine family and friends. Yeah. So, oh, wow. Okay. That so was you. That was at, uh, was it at the Valley Forge Music Fair, was it? No, it was at, it was literally, it was at the Naval Air Base. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow. It was like a day long thing and had, you know, war was there. Who else Rascals. was there? Rascals. Rascals, the box tops when Alex Chilton was still around. And um, was Al yeah, Alex Chilton was in there. Yeah, he would have been at that time. Yeah, he, he, he came. 1999. He came yeah. with um, Ken yeah. Sharp. Yeah, so anyway, Ken, his yeah. best friend. I was, you know, Ken went, Ken went there to interview Al. And I, you know, he's like, do you want to come with me? I'm like, sure, I'll come. You know, I'd love to meet a Beach Boy. I never did. And uh, we met backstage. And the funny thing is, it's full circle because I'll be doing some shows with the Al Jardine family and friends at the end of this month. So. I always tell Al, you are responsible for my children. There you go. <laughs> I, I can't even, I mean, if I, if, if Al didn't put that little thing together, yeah, I wouldn't right. have met Rob and we wouldn't have had our beautiful girls. Life, so, life is all timing, you know, everything. Oh, but yeah. Was it, love I, at first, was it love at first sight between it you? It was or? for me. I, I, he, his, he just, I saw this gorgeous guy backstage and I was, <laughs> you know, shoving pasta in my mouth and here comes this cutie walking by and he's got this smile and, and Ken's like, I want you to meet my friend, Rob. And Rob's like, hi, it's nice to meet you. I, I, I really, I watched your talk show and I really enjoyed watching you. And did I, I say that? you did. Those were your words. <laughs> I'm charismatic and, you know, I just trying to break the ice. So <laughs> I was like, wow. And I was, you know, I was, I was quite heavy at the time. And I was like, you know, my self-esteem was icky. I had broken up with in, of an engagement with the guy. And here's Rob, and he was, she had this smile and these dimples, and he was so hot. And then we went to dinner, and Al was talking with Ken, and there's Rob in the corner. And I was whispering to everybody, I have a crush on him. I have a crush on him. <laughs> oh, wow. He had this burgundy sweater on. I still have he, that sweater. I know. You the have, funny thing is, you have every sweater you've ever had. Yeah, they all still fit. That's great. <laughs> Um, a collector. Anyway, it was just, it was, <laughs> and then we followed up because he lived in Philly. I live in LA. So we followed up on a message board and I just said, <laughs> I just said, fuck it. Are you single? And he goes, why? Yes. He really wasn't. But anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> he wasn't single. I wasn't married. But you were going to move to Spain to be, well, with, to be with Virginia. I call her. Oh. <laughs> I call it, he's like, no, it's Berehenia. I'm like, no, it's vagina. I was, <laughs> so long story long is that I made a break up with her, and then, and then it we, wasn't going to happen anymore. And it's all right. It was meant it was to be. It, it's yeah. okay. And so there you go. That's great. wow. It rewinds to Jardine and Ken Sharp. Okay. Yeah. I, know. <laughs> I know we're so lucky, but anyway, um, I'm gonna go because I have to go pick up our daughter Lola. But you've got Rob here who, you know, loves to talk music. Well, that's why that's why we covered a lot of things with you first, Carney. I knew you had to make an exit stage left I here. Know, but guys, uh, And thank you, everybody, for listening. And yes, um, David, I hope to see you soon. Mark, good to see you. And everybody be ha happy and healthy. Yes, you, you too. too. You too, Carney. Okay. Be well. Thank you for being on. Aww. God bless. God bless. Thank you. Bye. Do I get the, the hot seat? Yeah, here, give him that lipstick right there. Oof. Hand me that lipstick. All right. All right, so Rob, uh, yes. <laughs> come back, come back. Bye. Uh, no. when, when did you when did you meet your 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 Lennon to your McCartney, Scott Sack? 
So, okay, so this was, um, this was, I want to say the spring of 93. Um, I believe I answered an ad in what, what was called at the time, you know, it was pre-Craigslist, pre-internet, really, pre-computers and all that oh, yeah. stuff. Um, and it was called the Trading Times. So it was like a paper, you know, you buy and sell stuff, a penny pincher kind of thing. And I believe there was an ad in there. I'm trying to remember. Uh, it, it was like looking for George Harrison or the next best thing, something to Whoa. that. Yeah, and and um, I was kicking around bands at the time and, and was looking for something serious. And uh, I answered the ad. And they were, uh, it was Scott, Mark, and Jim. And they were looking for a guitar player. And, it, you know, we got together and everything felt incredibly sympathetic and comp complimentary to one another and uh we hit it off from the beginning and that's what, really important yeah. a band yeah. dynamic i mean i've never been a musician but obviously i've seen a lot of bands up close and sure uh, that's that's more important than almost anything it is it's a chemistry that that really is not something you can you know consciously make happen it either, right. either there or it's not um and even when personalities don't necessarily jibe um, if the chemistry is there, then it's there, and it was there with us. So that was yeah, the right. yeah. That's right great. So, so how did you? Um, so you guys recorded some demos, I imagine, and shot them did, around yes. the label. Um, we, you know, we would play anywhere, and, and you know, we could in any situation. We were playing coffee houses in Philly, um, unplugged things and songs. You know, just constantly recording new songs and trying things out and turning over material and um i want to say it was let's see we got signed um we got signed late fall of 94. so we had first got our first gig together as the as the as the band that it was going to be was june of or may i think of may or june of 93 and we were signed by fall of 94. and um yeah, I mean, it was just the culmination of tons and tons of gigs between, you know, all up and down the East Coast and uh, constantly, constantly practicing and rehearsing and writing. Now, when yeah. you say you were signed, what, what we always ask, and you know, we yeah. talk to a lot of uh, bands, artists, musicians for, you know, from generations. Mm -hmm. And so many from the 50s, the 60s, the 70s said, yeah, we walked up to the, the, this major label and handed them the tape. They loved it and they signed us. <laughs> Which can't that can't be done today. It just doesn't happen that way. What what was Wanderlust's deal? How did it happen? We well, we, you know, I think from the very beginning we were constantly sending tapes to record labels, um, mostly New York labels, uh, and getting rejected, and you know, getting whatever. Uh, you don't you don't have enough of this, or you don't sound like that, or or, or what what not, whatever. Um, and I remember we found this young producer named Mike Mismano, who was um, kind of uh, really um, critical in, in, the, in the, the capturing of the sound that we wanted and we heard in our heads. And it was very Beatlesque, and it was very, you know, Canyon Club, Fox amplifiers and yeah. Rick and guitars. <laughs> and Mike Mismano was able to capture the sound and the excitement of a live band. We recorded live and then just did basic overdubs, real simple overdubs. Mm -hmm. and, um, at the time, we had just secured um, a new manager, and I remember shopping this the the, the demo tape that we made, um, and we we you know we had a close call with Sony at the time, um, and it never happened unfortunately. But then we went to RCA, and 
we hit gold. And it was at the time when when there was a thing called the uh, the Philadelphia Music Conference. I think there was a New York equivalent and probably a few around major right. cities. Yeah. And it was the result of a gig that we played at a place called J.C. Dobbs on, on South Street. Oh, yeah. Uh, we used to play there all the time. That was kind of a home base, and we would play, we would play shows there, and it would be packed. It was like, it was like you know our Cavern Club moments. <laughs> and, and Dobbs is not a big place either. I mean, it's, it's not, and it's full and sweaty, and people are bouncing around right. loud, and it's it's just the greatest thing in the world. Yeah, indeed. I, yeah, I don't think I've experienced anything more exciting than that. You know, yeah. I, I can only equate it to our Cavern Club days. <laughs> but we were signed doing a show at that particular conference. That's when the who decided to name the album Prize? Oh, yeah. Um, probably Scott. One of the songs was called Prize. <laughs> and uh, for some reason, we uh, all gravitated to calling it that. Um, I can't remember what else. I'm sure there were other names floating around. Um, but that's what stuck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, knew, uh, 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 I Walked, obviously, I think is what everybody knows from that album. Yeah. Um, that was the most obvious single obvious single and uh it was the, the first single right yes yep we talked we we, you know, we we talked to uh last week we had artful dodger on here and their wow. career as great of a band that they are their mm -hmm. career was shot in the foot from the first album where the wrong single was picked uh, you know it, it killed it really killed them from that yeah. point on uh i walked was such a great out of the gate single you know thanks um, you know we we got a lot of traction. I remember we, when we our first tour was um, with with Collective Soul. We were open for Collective Soul for a few months, and I remember driving all across the country in our van and and all the local stations. You know, we we tune them in, and and I walked was constantly being played. It was really an exciting time. Um, but for some reason, RCA they were going through uh, a change in 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 you know A and R staff and the presidents were switching, and it was a whole it was everything was an upheaval. And we never even got a video out of out of all all the things that we had because they're yeah. like, oh, you, you don't need a video, don't worry about it, whatever. When everybody was doing videos, so mm -hmm. the, the visual aspect was never there, um, and they kind of dropped the ball on us, and it was very disappointing. It was really disillusioning. Um, yeah, you were unfortunately at the tail end of when bands were even si signing. Yes, late, I'm sorry, when major labels were even signing pop bands. Yes, so and everybody was signing that. No. At least you got to experience that, but um... we did get to, yeah, we did. And I remember our manager at the time was like, "You guys are lucky. This, you know, things are not the way they used to be." We kept always hearing, "It's not the way it used to be. It's not the way it used to." Be. God, but we no. just we just wanted to get out there and play, and and we we did. We had our um a great run when we did, and it was uh, it was a lot of fun. You know, I learned a hell of a lot. And then yeah. you hooked up with uh, Bruce Brodeen and Not Lame, and that's uh, right. That's he right. Released your next record, right? He did. So anyway, we went, we were right after our first album was done, we toured and we toured and we toured. And it was about a year of, of pretty nonstop touring. And uh, immediately after that, once we were off the road, we went straight back into the studio, which was probably not the best move to make. We should have chilled out and kind of <laughs> gathered our, ourselves. Um, but we went straight into the studio for, for record number two. Um, and that went on for over a year. Um, you know, it was disappointing. We were, we were handing in singles that we thought were singles and they're like, oh, we don't hear it. And I think it was kind of more of a veiled attempt at the label to say, you know, we kind of lost our way here. So yeah. amidst them constantly asking for more and more and more, it was like them pushing off the, the inevitable of we can't really support this band anymore, unfortunately. Yeah. And so uh, we had a finished album and I remember 
um, I think the deal we had was we could, we could take that record, the second album we, we wrote and, and recorded, and we're ready to release and take it elsewhere. And I think that's where Bruce, Bruce Brodine came in and, and released it. Thankfully, you got to do that because so many bands did, yeah. did not have that privilege. They yeah. do all that work and then they lose their, their work. Yeah, sure. Yeah, they lose it and it never never sees the light of day or, or mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. the way it should. The way we have to have. give our props to Bruce because, you know, without oh, him, the, such the a power help. pop renaissance as it was would never yes. flourish the way it did without not lame. So. Yep. And, you, and you guys, too, for sure. I mean, you guys are the, you know, the torchbearers of the great music. So, well, <laughs> thank God for you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and now, um, so so album number two on on Not Lame. Um, and did you did you tour that album that much, or were were you were you kind of already? We did, we did intermittent gigs all while making the record. You know, we would gig and maybe take a week off and do something here, do something there. I think by the time that record was completely finished, and my my timeline is screwed up because there was some, you know, it was some dark times. You know, everybody was kind of paranoid and like pointing fingers and whose fault was it and why did this happen? And um, so, yeah, there were some gigs and, and small little tours. Nothing like, you know, we were used to the collective soul thing. Well, we got spoiled from the bat because they were oh, riding yeah. high on a big album at the time. So we were playing for 3000 people a night. And wow. uh, we thought this is going to be great. This is not going to, you know, it's never going to end. It's only never going to end. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, such a typical band tale. Oh. Very, very, very typical. I understand it. Whenever I see it, or I, you know, um, it's just like, yes, man, I get it. Like watching the Beatles documentary. You know, I'm not comparing us to the Beatles, but that thing where like you're about to break up, you're at the end of kind of your thing, and you're kind of getting at each other. I yeah. get it, man. I feel it deep down. You know, feel it. <laughs> and we see it. We see it a lot. We, 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 like I said, this is episode number fifty. We've talked to so many artists and bands and things, and it just, it just seems yeah. to be the story when it when you talk with the major labels and sure and uh, everything. It really, it really is. So everybody kind of nods their head and go, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, um, Scott moves out to LA not long mm -hmm. after this, right? Was I that he came? He came out. Um, I want to say ninety nine. Yeah, yeah. And we were we had broken up. It's funny because the last gigs we ever did were the Power Pop Overflow the very first year. That was yeah, I I'll never year. forget it at uh, it was at, at the, the joint Martini Lounge. Martini uh, Lounge. You yep. uh, you, pl you played the first ever IPO in late August of '98. I'll never I'll never forget that. I was so grateful. Wow. Yes. Um, I was grateful to so many bands who came from all over the world. I couldn't believe how how many people accepted my invitation to do this who that weren't from LA and. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was bands like you that really made it a success, made my dream come true. So thank you. Thank you. Wow. No, it was exciting. Although it was our last gig. <laughs> <laughs> well, in, in, in the first iteration of one of those, yes, our first, our, that was the last gig. <laughs> uh, but uh, so, yes, yeah, Scott stayed back behind. He stayed in California. We went back and just uh, we knew it was over at that point. So. Um, and then uh, is that when you decide, did you decide immediately to embark on a solo career or were you doing something else? No, you know, I kicked around in a few local bands. I was like, I, you know, I want to continue this because the magic, I, I knew what it was like to be in, in a situation that felt magical. And I right. wanted that desperately. I wanted to find that again. Didn't really find it. And, uh, and I started just writing on my own. And, uh, and, that, and that, you know, that, that's also kind of a typical story. You have a, a level of success and you get that taste and you get that feeling yeah. and then it then it kind of it, it falls apart but 
yeah. you know, like when we collect music and things, it's like we're always looking for that next high yes. from something here. What it's the same thing with an artist who wants to get with another individual or group and, and get back to that. And that is so yeah. difficult to do. You're so lucky to get it once in your life. You oh, know, for uh, sure. you know, for sure. You know, the sparkle, the sparkle in my eye that was there. I thankfully it didn't completely die out. It, it no, definitely fizzled no for a little bit there, but it but it reignited, and I kind of found myself in, in it, and it kept it kept you in the game, so to speak, yeah. and you found you found your way with, with your solo career. Um, when did you I, move I, to I, LA? Been great. I moved to LA. Okay, so I met Carney in '99. So this was a year after you know Wanderlust was done, um, and she was living out here of course and she moved to philly actually to, to when we when we first got together and we were we knew that we were serious and we were going to get married she moved to philly and we lived there for a year I lived in many oh, wow, wow. Um, okay yeah. one davis street man <laughs> <laughs> and it was fun that was a really fun time um so we lived there for a year and then we we were like you know do we want to stay here do we want to go to new york where do we want to go and Carney's family and everybody that she knew and loved were out here in California, and I was ready for a change, and and that's when we took the set, and, and I and moved out there. So we, we ended up out here spring of 2001, I think it was. Yeah, and rumor had it, you put Ken Sharp in your suitcase, and you brought him with you, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it. Taylor had to have another suitcase. <laughs> <laughs> it was, yeah, it was a <laughs> Hello, whoever's saying hi, Jen. Hi, oh. saying hi. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Your first album came out, what, around 2005-ish or so? Yeah. 2006? Yeah, that was called Skies of America. Um, yeah, so those are the tunes that I had accumulated over those four, four and a half, five years that I was writing on my own, and it became that. And um, I recorded that record up in Weed, California. Well, actually, no, I, I, recorded, yeah. all, I recorded all the tapes, the demos myself at home here everything was it sounded like a band but it was just me doing everything i took those tapes up to weed and i worked with um a great producer named sylvia massey and uh she had a studio up there and we kind of retracked the drums and retracked some guitars and uh fixed a few things and that's what became the skies of america shine was the record and i uh, have to say i have to say i mean volume nine of the ipo cd is one of my favorite volumes and fly uh, it's definitely still one of my all-time favorite IPO CD tracks. So I want to thank, thank you for that also. Thank you. Every David. time I hear that song, I get chills and I uh, start to cry a little bit. Uh, you know what? If, when I listen back, and I don't really listen back very often, but when I do, I do. It takes me there to exactly what I was going through at the time, which I guess that's what music's supposed to do. Oh, yeah. Music does best. Yep. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. So so that was the first record. And, and I called it a band name because that's all I really knew how to do. I was like, I only know how to be in a band. I want to call it a band. Um, and then from that point forward, I just ended up just using my own name for solo records. But you did, you, I mean, you. I've seen you play gigs at IPO and otherwise with, yeah. with other bands. So you did end up putting a band together. I did, yeah, I did, I did. Um, and I don't remember exactly why it didn't stay, probably because people were always in 30 different bands and everybody's doing different things. Yeah. And it's kind of like hired guys the hired guys are my band which doesn't really make it a band band yeah. and i i was longing and hoping for a band band again but I, it never happened and i just did it myself 
And, uh, but then it did happen because Wanderlust did reunite. That's right. That's right. How, so we, how did that? How did that come about? Because you guys weren't living in the same places, obviously. Let's see. This would have been two thousand and ten or eleven. Um, I think Scott had moved to L.A. and lived out here for five, six, seven years, and then he left and went back to Philly. Um, and all that time, we didn't speak for like ten years. Wow. I mean, there was, there was a lot of like dark water that we had to oh, man. Work, work through. It was just a weird time, weird thing. Um, and around 2010, um, I think Scott reached out to me or somehow we, we connected again. And all, you know, it seemed like all the bad blood that had happened was passed. And all we thought, all we could think about were the good times that we were having at the time, oh, you know, great. those beyond days. And, um, I think that we started sharing ideas and it somehow grew in, into the thought of let's get together and throw a record and make a new record, see if we still have any chemistry there. So, you know, we, we convened in Philly. I think we had like one week to actually literally write and, you know, finish the record that we had sort wow. of and record it. So, and, and we called the album record time because as, as a result, because we did it really quickly. And um, yeah, and that was a fun time. It was great to reconnect and, you know. And will bring us up to 2020 and, and uh, <laughs> a really great album, All of You, which I have to say, it it finished in my top 10 of, 20, of 2021. And uh, so cool. Thank that you. is not easy to do with all the stuff I listen to. So, <laughs> I know uh, you do. I, you've, got, you've got a lot of stuff of music to sort through. So it's very appreciated. Thank you for so much, such a great record and so much Thanks. great music over the years. What's the Thanks. future for Wanderlust? Is is there one? Yes, there is. Um, we just literally, we, we in, 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 in the tradition of how we did All of You, which was kind of like, All of You was, was a bunch of songs that we had from Wanderlust days that never got recorded. Right. And then a couple of new things added. Um, and we recorded it all remotely. We each did our, in our own little home studio setups. Um, and it, it turned out pretty, pretty darn nice, we thought. And, and so just recently, um, we, uh, we just finished a new song and there's a, a, a second song that we're working on right now in the same manner. So I think what we're going to do is, is start to release singles. And, um, when that compiles up enough to make a record, we'll probably put out a record. That is something that a lot of bands have been doing lately. Yeah. Uh, it seems to be competitive, you know. It's, like a, a lot of bands have done a single a month for a year, and then they put out put it out as a full. Like the singles are are, are usually just available as, as digital downloads. Sure. And then the album comes out as a physical product, which is a great right. idea. It's a great idea, especially in the way music is consumed today. So sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, that that okay. gives us that gives us uh, something to look forward to. You know, oh, uh, yeah. I have a new record coming out too, as well, solo record that I just. Oh, I got the songs. I'm ready to. I'm kind of sort of in the middle of recording right now. So, oh, nice. Wow. Yeah. Nice. So, Rob stays busy, man. You're staying we, busy. That's great. That's fantastic. We really, look, we really look forward to that, Rob. And we, oh, we really you. want to thank you and, and Carney for being our guests. Our pleasure. I'm glad great, that great, this is a great episode. Thank you. Yeah. I'm glad to Other than the fact that I, I was kind of like the guy in Dead Poet Society who kept blowing his nose. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's okay, David. It's all good. Uh, Rob, if you you and Carney uh, get back in touring uh, in whatever uh, manner, if you come through Philly, let me know. And, I, will, uh, I will be in Philly with Brian Wilson. We're touring this summer with Chicago. Oh, wow. We're going to be well, great. 
in Jersey at whatever the Camden Camden place is. I don't whatever know. we're calling it now, um, it, it changes every three years. But Camden that's uh, that's literally that's literally uh, four miles from my house. So, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll and, and if you come through Reseda, let me. Know. No, I'll go to you. <laughs> you know, we're going to be at the Forum. We will be at the Forum on June seventh. No nice. way! I'll actually be back from Liverpool then. So. Yeah. Well, what a great episode, Rob. Thank you so much for, for joining us tonight. And, uh, you know, my best wishes to you and Carney with uh, everything you guys got going on with your family, uh, stay happy, stay healthy and uh, keep, keep doing what you're doing because there's a lot of people out there that uh, for both of you, just, just love it. So, you know, yes, great. Definitely be well. Forward to seeing you guys in person soon. We'll speak soon and hopefully see you soon. I hope so. I hope so. Have a great night, Rob. Thank you. Take care, Rob. Thank you for all. Our pleasure. Well, there you go, David. That was really fun. Episode number 50 of Material Issues. You know, like bag. I said now, we, we've got to get some more rock and roll couples on. So That was a lot of fun. If you're, if you're listening and you're part of a rock and roll couple, uh, send me a message. Yeah. So dro- drop us a line. For episodes. We would love to have you because that was that was very. I, you know, they commented earlier about Sonny and Cher. That was very Sonny and Cher, like where they were going back and forth at each other early on. That was. Uh, oh yeah, totally. That was a lot of fun. Uh, and th- those two people are, are are such talented people in their own right. And then you get them together as a couple, and it's They're just great. Uh, you know, every time Rob played IPO, Carney would come out and she'd start cheering him on, and she'd cheer on IPO. She didn't know IPO from Adam, really. But yeah, she was. She got into the spirit, and she was really a big fan, and I appreciate that a lot. Just wonderful, just wonderful. So great, great, uh, great show, David. Fantastic. Um, Thank you. I've been a bit remiss, I have to say, and part of the reason is because I've been so busy now with IPO coming back. Uh, You know, at the time we started Material Issues, I knew IPO would come back, but I'd forgotten just how busy it makes me, and so I haven't been. as active in getting guests so we don't have anybody else to announce at the moment of course yeah. that that will certainly change i mean if we don't get a guest for next week mark and i will we'll do our, our usual uh, jibber jabber and it'll be fun on the 18th i will be in the cavern club um during the time that uh, material issues normally airs and we're going to try to do a live feed from there yeah. uh, i can't speak the the uh Wi-Fi down in the club is a bit dodgy. You know, some spots you can get it, some you can't. Maybe that's improved. Maybe it hasn't. So we'll just uh, we'll 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 find out. You know, maybe we can have uh, a bit of a live thing going on, which would which yep. would be awesome. That'd be a lot of fun. The following week I'll be in London, but you know I'll be in a hotel and we'll be able to do something from there. So I'm gonna, and I'm sure Mark will too. We're gonna we're gonna get active and try and get some guests for the next few weeks. And no matter what it is, it's going to be a lot of fun here on Material Issues. It always is. As we talked earlier in, in previous shows, we didn't set out when we started this whole show to be a show filled with guests every week. We thought we'd come on and talk about music and everything we love and new releases and things. And then it just kind of went like this because we got all these great guests time after time after time. Yeah, so, I mean, we had one guest and we, we we saw how much fun it was. And it's like, well, let's just keep, let's just get as many as we can. And fortunately, uh, we've been able to get people who wanted to be on. And 
and many of them have been just super and fantastic. Uh, yeah. So we're we're going to continue to try to do yeah. that. But even if we can't, you know, Mark and I never run out of things to talk about. Fortunately, so <laughs> we'll, that's a guarantee. We'll keep you entertained. We promise. <laughs> Well, David, uh, have have a great night. Um, next week, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, everybody, if you if you haven't joined us here on Facebook, join the group. Tell your friends to join the group. That's how you're going to know uh, who we book for next week or all the weeks coming up. That's how you're going to know what we're going to do. Or even over on YouTube at materialissues.com, you can subscribe there, and it'll let you know. So, yeah. you know, stay tuned. Next Next Wednesday will be another episode of Material Issues, and I guarantee it's going to be a lot of fun. We'll see everybody. Hopefully, soon. it won't be too much material tissues like, uh, <laughs> like it has been today. Hopefully, my cold will be done by then. <laughs> David, have a great night. Uh, love to you and Rena. Take care, and we will talk to you soon. Good night, everybody. Good night. Thank you so much for for being a part of our show. Yes, indeed. Cheers, all. <laughs>